You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Prospect Minded, a new future here at Eyes on the Prize, where we're going to talk about one prospect every week. It will be Matt, it will be Anton, it will be Jared, or it will be me. Who knows, it might even be a guest one at a time. But um, we hope to make this a weekly feature, and uh, today we're going to talk about Emil Heinemann. Emil Heinemann was drafted uh, by Florida Panthers in the second round in the 2020 draft. He came to Calgary as part of the Sam Bennett trade, and Montreal got him, obviously, in the Tyler Toffoli trade last year, um, which netted um, also... uh, Pitlick, and a first-rounder in 2022, which turned out to be Philip Meshar. Um, so, from, right from the get-go, Heinemann has been traded twice before he has even reached the NHL. This could be seen as something good, teams want him, or something bad, teams doesn't want him. We will see where, the, we, we don't really know the inside information of everything we know, or we think that we know that Montreal really wanted him. So that makes it for an interesting prospect. Um, in Lexand, Heinemann has been used on the third line. He's been used on the second power play unit. And uh, you're going to hear from uh, Lexand's coach, Björn Helkvist on Monday, and what he thinks about Emil Heinemann, along with a little bit longer interview with Emil. Um, he's, he's been used either as net presence or in the bumper position. And, and it speaks to his skills in a way, because his hand-eye coordination is really strong, and he's um, big and hard to move. And he, he can take a hit, and he can deliver a hit. So it makes sense to, to, to have him there. On the other hand, he also has a wicked shot, a really, really good shot, a shot that can go through players. And that is not being used right now. On the half wall. There are other solutions, and maybe, in my opinion, Björn Halkvist thinks that Emil Heinemann might not be as creative as he might need to be on the half wall as well in order to, to set up the power play and actually run it and not just stand there like, well, if you're really good, you can be Ovechkin or Cole Caulfield and don't run the power play and still score from the half wall all the time. It's also a little bit different here in, as, as the rings is wider, you come a little bit further from the, from, from the net and it might not help his shot in that regard. As I mentioned, the shot is a strength. It's a very natural shot, it's powerful. He can uh, hit uh, more or less with, with great precision where he wants to put the puck. Uh, his quick hands and eyes it makes it difficult for the goaltender to read as well and be prepare himself for where he can end up and, and where he can uh, needs to be. And that was seen yesterday as Frederick Dijon blocked the shot rather than, than actually stopped it. Uh, as I mentioned, he has the, the strong balance. Um, his uh, core muscles must be very good because he can stay upright, he delivers hits, he takes hits, um, and obviously he got good skating. Many have compared him to an Arturo Lekkonen. I don't think that's a fair 
I saw someone on Twitter, I forgot the name, sorry, that compared him to maybe Josh Anderson, which I think might be a better solution to to, to uh, compare him with. Um, I don't think Heinemann is as strong on the defensive side as Josh Anderson is, but we'll get to that later. Um, his skating, top speed, um, back speed, fine. His lateral movement, not as strong. I was uh, surprised when I watched him live yesterday that he almost seems tired and heavy sometimes in the shifts. It's not like um, obviously smaller players. It might have to do with that as well. It, it just me- seems like he doesn't glide through the strides and can rely on that speed to glide through the zone a little bit easier. That is something I, I was a little bit surprised with. Uh, he's not like Cole Caulfield or Martino Rewy in that regard that could seem almost glide forever. Just a quick break to hear one of our sponsors. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. The one thing that always comes up when people ask me about Emil Heinemann is his weaknesses. Obviously, they've heard this comparison with Arthur Lekkonen, who is a fantastic defensive kind of player. His first year in the SHL, uh, Arthur Lekkonen had to play defense because his line mates were the offensive one, Matthias Janmark and, and Robert Friedgren. Um, they played forwards and, and offense, and Lekkonen was more or less... Uh, done to, to, to play the defensive end. Um, I don't see that with Emil Heinemann. Um, he loses players behind him. He count makes a counting error every now and then. And he, um, he doesn't check his shoulders as much. I wonder if that... I mean, a lot of coaches mentions checking the shoulders as part of the hockey IQ... I wouldn't say he has a bad hockey IQ, but it, it might not be the top one to, to be a stalwart defender. And and that is not his strength. He shouldn't be there. Um, when I spoke to Lexon's coach last year, he said, if you have Emil Heinemann in, the, in your own end, you've probably done something wrong as a coach. And you could see that when I watched him coaching yesterday, because Emil Heinemann got very few shift starts in his own zone or barely none at all. And a lot of them were, were transitional, where uh, he started out from, from the neutral zone or the offensive zone. And, and this is where his strength is. Um, Defensive-wise, I've also been thinking about, would it be better for him to play at a North American rink? A North American rink would, theoretically, be smaller ice. He wouldn't lose players he wouldn't uh, maybe do the counting errors to the same degree, etc., etc. On the other hand, the speed is so much faster. So there is a difference, and, and that might hinder his development into, a, into that kind of role player as well. Um, but I think it comes down to, you know, I think he suits the North American play a lot more than he does maybe the, the, the typical European play. And and uh, but right now playing in Sweden, his weakness is the defensive game. 
some might not call it a weakness some might call it a, a not a strength but but that's um what i see um again his upside on the other end of the ice is fantastic um but, but looking again at his defense it comes down to the fact that i think uh, he he's not sure so he has to think everything comes naturally in the offensive zone whereas in in the defensive zone he has to think and remember what should i do and it makes him think take that extra second which good offensive player might be able to to use to his advantage instead um, um but it, it's really, really interesting. There have been a few comparisons. I've compared him to Viktor Olofsson with his shot. Uh, someone in, in, in Montreal has compared him to Arthur Lekkonen. As I mentioned, someone on Twitter um, mentioned Josh Anderson. I think to, to a degree, all three players are, 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 could be kind. I, I have trouble with Lekkonen. But Olofsson and Josh Anderson, I see them being good comparisons. And I think... Um, Heinemann will need a, a year, half a year in the AHL just to make that transition a little bit easier into the North American ice, and especially the pace. Then it becomes what kind of player does the coach want? Does he want someone with the offensive upside and play him on the top six role? Maybe. Does he want the energizer, the 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 greater as... as um, uh, Bjorn Helkis called him last year um, to to have that kind of role. Then it would be a bottom six role, and and there could be upside using on the power play, etc. But those are the two roles, and and it it comes down to which what does the coach want to do with Emil Heinemann? And for me, going to AHL and then NHL, you have two different coaches. So the, those coaches need to be in sync with each other to develop Heinemann into the perfect uh, role. I expect Heinemann to take a more offensive side of the game uh, this year. Um, it's always struggling for, for players to come back from AHL or, or North America into the Swedish Hockey League. Um, he's been part of the national team and, and coach Sam Hallam uh, is a coach I greatly respect and I look up to and I trust. And if he picks Heinemann to that kind of role of fourth line player, a third line player, uh, with a little bit of an upside on the power play, then you know I think he's right, and, and I got to trust someone that, that that I really have confidence in. And that makes it maybe if I've been harsh on Heinemann before, it makes me trust him a little bit more. In that regard it's a very interesting prospect I do think it's gonna need another couple of uh, months at least uh, if not a full season in the AHL I think it will benefit him uh, getting used to that kind of, of play on the other hand we don't know which team Montreal will have next year so it might be the fact that he comes into the NHL directly from the SHL it will be an interesting prospect we will hear more from we will hear more from uh, Heinemann and Coach Hellquist later on next week. Uh, this has been Prospect Minded. Thank you guys for listening and please leave us some feedback to make sure that we continue this progress with Hands Eyes on the Prize Radio and what we can do better.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.